Welcome to Common Sense Coalition Talk Radio, where you'll find straight talk from people with good old common sense. I trust your opinion. And now, for your host, he's putting sense back into nonsense. Absolute insanity. Well, you can hear me on the radio. Your host, Beth Ann. And I welcome you today to CSE Talk Radio. It's my honor, my privilege, and my pleasure to be here with you today. We're going to do something a little different today. So let's first go to the Lord in prayer, and then we'll get on with the show. For such a time as this, most gracious Heavenly Father, we praise you for the great I am that you are. Father, we thank you for your love, your grace, and your mercy, and your forgiveness. Where would we be without your nature of forgiveness? May we be a repentant people. Oh, Father, we need that. All of us do. May we be a humble people. Show us the way to safety. Father, show the way to safety for all those in Afghanistan right now trying to get out for their lives. Show the way here, Abba Father, as we your remnant. Try to be your light unto the world and the salt of the earth. We have been timid and quiet. We have allowed the darkness to grow. Oh, but your light will never be snuffed out, for you are light. Make us courageous, Father, but wise. The evil one is dancing a jig, but he has not He will not win. We are already victorious because we are in you. Guide us and guard us. Grant us discernment to sift through the information that we receive and to know what the truth truly is. And when we see and acknowledge truth, we will once again be free. You are the truth. You are the way and the light. It is for such a time as this that you have brought us here today together. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. I don't recall a time when I've had so much, for lack of another word, fear for this nation. I'm deeply concerned. We are truly in an evil time. Those who declare themselves leaders are doing all they can to destroy the republic and gain permanent control over us, over you, over me. While there is a lot to unpack and unwrap in the latest shenanigans of Congress and this current administration and the media that's lying to us all the time, today, let's take a one-hour sabbatical from the goings-on. My guest today is a friend of C.J. Hadley of Range Magazine. She endorsed his latest book to me called Blue Man. John L. Moore is a multi-award winning novelist and journalist. He is called by many of the most authentic voice of the contemporary West as well as a visionary and literary artist. I guess that doesn't hurt to actually know life in the West because you are actually truly a rancher and busy there as well. 
John has quite the bio. I'm going to uh, probably not do him justice in that respect because I want to get on with what we're going to talk about. His latest book, Blue Man. And I have to say that, you know, he's he's good at what he's doing because he actually lives that life that he writes about. Now, in 2015, he wrote in Range Magazine an article, The Voice of the Land. And in there, he, he described himself as a rancher, writer, cowboy, and Christian author. And he says, in that order, but labels could be misleading. John, before I bring you on, I've got to share a little story with you. When you sent me those two books, Looking for Lynn and Blue Man, I took them home to show my husband. He's an avid reader. He just absolutely loves to read, and he loves the Western novels. When I showed him your two books, he went up to his library, and he came back down with The Breaking of Ezra Riley, another one of your books. I'm not sure how or when, but he received that... I received this book, but he said I brought it home to him. And he remembered that it was a really good book. So he took the other books and he started reading them and he read them all back to back. So we're going to, we were connected long before we, CJ put us together. Somehow, some way, I had that book. So welcome to CSC Talk Radio, John. It's nice to have you on with me today. Thank you, Beth Ann. It's good to be here and I appreciated your opening prayer a lot. Well, thank you. I thought about calling you and having you do it. For those who don't know that he's uh, he's been a minister, maybe still doing that part-time in his life, and and uh, uh, I appreciate that, John. Thank you. It, it was something that I, uh, I got told to do. <laughs> the Lord kind of tapped me on the shoulder back in 2019. He said, you need to do that. So I've started every, every show with prayer since that time. Amen. But... Uh, you know, um, these books, that you told me about the breaking of Ezra Riley when we were talking on the phone. But I didn't remember that I had it. <laughs> and I had taken it home to my husband. And I don't know when that was, how long ago that was. Uh, but he had the book and he said, I remember it was really good. And uh, so I'm going to let you kind of tell a little bit about yourself because I think you can do it better than I can. And um I'm kind of glad to have a little break. I've been very, very uh, distracted with all that's going on in this nation and in this world right now. And, oh, how we need our Savior, don't we? And uh, we could use a few distractions. So I'm going to have you kind of introduce yourself to the listeners like you did to me on the phone a few weeks ago. Do you remember what the cover looked like on the breaking of Ezra Riley that you have? I've got it right in front of me. Yes, sir. What color is it? It's kind of a beige. Okay. Brown, brown, goldish that, color. That should be the Thomas Nelson edition, probably. Does it have a Chuck T. Hahn? Yes, it is. It is a Thomas yeah. Nelson edition. Yeah, with a Chuck T. Hahn painting of paint horses. Yes. Uh, I yes. bring that up because Ezra Riley has actually been published, the breaking of Ezra Riley has been published by five different publishers. Wow. Yeah. yeah. Now that, if you're in the publishing world, that's just unheard of. You know, rarely is a book published by two. Uh, maybe, 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 you know, three. But it's had, 
it's had five, uh, counting the self-published version that I did originally and then the Kindle edition, but three largest Christian houses in the world in between that. And <clears throat> The Breaking of Ezra Riley is a divinely inspired book, and I say that with a lot of trepidation because I have been a professional writer since I was 17, and I turned 69 yesterday, so <laughs> it's a long time. And through that time period, I've had many, many people approach me and, you know, thrust a manuscript in my chest or a book and say, you know, God told me to write this. And you kind of get tired of hearing that. Uh, <laughs> because often it's not, you know, you have to discern between your own vanity and imagination, your vain imaginings, and really getting a commission to write something. And I can honestly say I did because... My wife and I were sitting in a movie theater in Billings, Montana, watching a movie called Cross Creek, which was the story of the life of the great American novelist Marjorie Keenan Rawlings. And in that movie, the uh, editor, uh, Maxwell Perkins, greatest editor of the 20th century, edited uh, Hemingway, Faulkner, uh, John Dos Passos, uh, and Will James, interestingly enough. Yeah. Anyway, he hands her back a bunch of manuscripts that she had sent him and said, you know, these are terrible. We're not interested in, in them. And then handed her the letters, the personal letters that she had written him about her land and her people. And she said, these are, these are great. You need to write what you know. And wow. when that actor playing Maxwell Perkins said those words, the Holy Spirit just came on me so heavy that it's my head dropped into my break. hands. We're headed to a break. I want you to tell us that when we come back. You're listening to CSE Talk Radio. This is Beth Ann. We're going to be encouraged today with this author. And he's a good friend now, John Elmore. And we'll be right back. You can look for the silver lining or you can strengthen your portfolio with gold and silver. Optimism is planning for your own financial future. Melody Cedarstrom of Discount Gold and Silver Trading has been watching our economy and the banksters for well over 20 years. The U.S. has an unsustainable debt. While the timing of a collapse cannot be predicted, we know the proverbial straw that breaks the camel's back weighs heavier and heavier with each new stimulus and omnibus bill. Because of our debt and the lack of solid backing, those fiat dollars in your pocket continue to deflate in value. However, gold stays true, true wealth. Give Melody Caesarstrom a call at 1-800-375-4188. That's 1-800-375-4188. Discount gold and silver trading for all your precious metal needs. And join Melody weekday afternoons at 4 p.m. Eastern Time on Financial Survival Radio. Visit DGSCoins.com. That's DGSCoins.com. 
Made in America is more than just a slogan. It's a brand we all look for to better this nation's economy. Liberty Tabletop is the brand of Cheryl Manufacturing, the only manufacturer of flatware in the United States of America. Liberty Tabletop creates high-quality flatware at a competitive price using the finest quality 1810 chromium nickel stainless steel. Oh, and by the way, the steel they use is also made in the USA. The steel is tested for lead and other toxic trace elements, so you bring to your family a safe and pure product that will last for generations. Setting your table is an important part of every meal. The patterns you choose say something about you and your family. Bring an America home with LibertyTabletop.com or go to my website, csetalkradio.com, and click on their link. Call Liberty Tabletop at 844-386-2338. Use the promo code BETHANN and receive 10% off your purchase. LibertyTabletop.com. The old way of living with diabetes is a pain. You've got to remember to do your testing, and you always need to be sticking your fingers. The new way to live your life with diabetes is with a continuous glucose monitor. You simply apply a discreet, easy-to-use sensor on your body, and it continuously monitors your glucose levels, helping you spend more time in range and freeing you from painful finger pricks. If you test your blood sugar at least four times per day and inject insulin at least three times per day or use an insulin pump and have private insurance or Medicare, you might be eligible for a CGM with little or no cost to you. Call U.S. Medical Supply today for a free benefits check. We offer free shipping, 90-day supplies, and we bill Medicare or your insurance directly. Call now and say goodbye to finger pricks. 800-418-5778. 800-418-5778. 800-418-5778. That's 800-418-5778. We have returned to listening to CSC Talk Radio. This is Beth Ann with John L. Moore. John, I apologize. We just were running against the clock there. So I want you to finish telling uh, your calling to write well, this book. Well, I'll shorten it up by saying that uh, I, I wrote the book and <clears throat> submitted it to the largest New York houses. And I received 30 very friendly rejections. They, they say, we love your work. This just doesn't meet our needs at this present time. And I got discouraged. And uh, so I did what I should have done earlier. I prayed and fasted. Mm-hmm. And right after that fast, the, an editor at Reader's Digest handed my self-published version to a woman and said, you need to publish this. That woman was opening the Lion Publishing House office in America. Lion is a United Kingdom publisher and a fairly large and uh, well-respected one. And sure enough, she called me and asked me to rewrite or add double double the book in size. And I did that in my ranch bunkhouse one winter with no heat except a space heater blowing on my feet. Oh, and, my. Uh, yeah, an old K-Pro computer two floppy disks, and it got printed by Lion and won a couple national awards. Then Lion folded and got and the model got picked up by Thomas Nelson, which is the one you have. Mm-hmm. And then later, uh, I did two more in that series, and all three of those got picked up by Broadman and Holman, 
which is the publishing arm of the Southern Baptist Convention. So there are right now five Ezra Riley books, The Breaking of Ezra Riley, Leaving the Land, The Limits of Mercy, Looking for Lynn, and the latest, Blue Man. Now, with books four and five, they really are standalones. It's helpful if you've read the first three, uh, but it's not necessary. And Looking for Lynn is really my homage to the cowboy world. There's always a Christian message, but I'm never preachy. Um, But I've fallen through the cracks. Some of your readers will say, well, how come we've never heard of this guy? You know, if he's multi-award winning novelist and journalist, etc. And some of your listeners will have heard of The Breaking of Ezra Riley. Uh, it became kind of an underground cult classic. But the problem was I was too literary and too realistic for the Christian world. Oh. <laughs> uh, the Christian publishing world that t- at that time and pretty much still today, they wanted their fiction to be really pretty light and escapist. So if you saw a horse on the cover or a cowboy, it was probably an 1880 shoot 'em up and it's what I call Shane Meets Jesus. Okay, It's a shallow story about a gunfighter who changes his ways and accepts the Lord. And usually read by women. You know, I spent years in the CBA, and you knew with all these Christian publishers that I was published by that you were pr- primarily trying to meet a female audience. Well, I... I can't be pigeonholed like that. I write authentically. I am a third-generation Montana rancher. Yes, I went to work for a daily newspaper at the age of 17, uh, but I had to unsaddle my horse to do so. And in my area, eastern Montana, a man's word is still number one. And I've tried to uphold that, and I try to stay extremely authentic. Uh, No matter what I write about, uh, ranch life, cowboy life. I don't romanticize anything. I don't become sentimental. I don't exaggerate. Uh, but I've learned, largely self-taught, because I never graduated from college. I have about three years. But by the time I got around to going to college, I'd worked for two different newspapers, hitchhiked 12,000 miles, and did a stint in the Air Force. And I looked around at my classmates and even the professors and said, you know, I just don't belong here. Uh, I actually, I mean, this is a little arrogant, but in many cases I knew more than the teachers. They were, the old saying is that those who can do and those who can't teach. And that's not, that's not untrue, you know, with everything. But in the writing craft it can be because most of these teachers want to be novelists. And many times they spend, you know, 20 years during the summer, you know, working on a novel and may or may not ever get it published. So I didn't really value a, a, a degree that highly, but I value learning, and I'm a voracious reader. I read and read and read across a wide variety of subjects. And when I worked for the newspaper, the Mile City Star, my publisher and my city editor were both legitimate World War II heroes. And those men accepted me as a kind of a long-haired hippie type that I was back then (laughs) and groomed me 
showed me the way, showed me how to become a journalist. But I turned down a job with the Denver Post when I was 19 because I didn't want to live in a big city. And I knew my, my what I wanted to do was write novels. And I like journalism, and I like nonfiction. I've published nonfiction books as well. Uh, but uh, the story, uh, a good novel can reach you deeper than almost anything you'll read. Now, I'm not saying you know, some nonfiction won't, because obviously it will. But when you read a novel, you, you suspend your disbelief. When you're reading nonfiction, a didactic nonfiction, you're a little tense because you're trying to learn. You know, you're paying attention. Whereas with a good novel, you drift off into the writer's world, and he takes you somewhere. And he can talk to you and teach you on levels that a nonfiction reader might not. So in these times that we're in, and I agree with you, I've never seen it darker, uh, so the light will be brighter. But my wife and I have been talking lately that uh, it'd be nice to have a good show to watch or a good book to read, and we don't watch much American TV. Uh, We tend to get DVDs from British television. Hmm. Uh, Yeah, primarily, you know, crime, crime procedurals. Uh, and uh, we just we <laughs> we have to get them through the library, and sometimes it takes a couple of weeks here. <laughs> so, <clears throat> but we are both talking about the you know ni- it'd be nice to have something good to watch or good to read. Well, here's where my books come in, in that when you look at three words: amusement, entertainment, and recreation. Amusement basically means without inspired thought. So it's not hard to find a book that doesn't have much inspired thinking in it. But do you really want to read that? You know, you're, you're, you're asking to invest your time. I take my readers very seriously. And so I do the very best I can, and I never look down at my readers. The next word, entertain, uh, goes to what you said in the opening, in that it basically means to distract. And there's nothing wrong with that right now, uh, unless it gets too escapist, all right? We need a, a comfortable distraction. But what the third word, recreate, actually means to recreate. So when you recreate with a good book, you feel energized when you're done. You don't feel like you just killed time, which I don't believe in, because the word says to redeem the time because the days are evil. Well, the days are evil. So I don't believe in killing time. But I don't think we always have to just study, 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 and be didactic. So I try and produce a story that's really authentic on all levels, whether it's ranching and cowboying or it's uh, spiritual uh, whatever I throw in, it's based on legitimacy. It's based on my life. I am Ezra Riley. I'll admit it. You know, he's my <laughs> alter ego. But almost everything I write about, uh, I, it's happened to me, or I've seen it happen, and I usually understate it. And by understating it and writing with a certain amount of minimalism, people feel 
that they can own it. And it's not phony. You know, that's the one thing about rural people is we detect phoniness very quickly and very easily. Sometimes we can be a little naive, but you're right. We can be. Because we uh, like to trust our neighbor. Well, we will. We believe the best. I mean, yeah. I've been, I've been <clears throat> fooled a few times in my career interviewing people, because I can't imagine that people would lie. Mm. I was raised, you know, to be honest and respect uh, what people say, and so I get snookered once in a while because it just doesn't register with me. That why lie about things about your life? Uh, you know, or anything else. But my books are are authentic. They I are. And my husband was saying, too, that, you know, if you've farmed or if you've ranched, you you can just get right in there with some of those challenges that, that Ezra Riley has to go through. And uh, wildebeest. We've <laughs> all had some of those on the farm or in the ranch. <laughs> We're going into a break. You're listening to CSC Talk Radio. We'll be right back. And we have returned. You're listening to CSC Talk Radio. This is Beth Ann. We're visiting with the author, John L. Moore. Uh, CJ kind of introduced us, but it, then it figured out that I've received one of his books a long time ago, and, and probably the publisher was just sending them out. I get I get tons of books all the time, John, and, and we should have clicked then, and I just uh, I missed my opportunity, but it came back around. And well, in, in your prayer, you mentioned twice from the book of Esther for yes. such a time as this, and I have had one of the most hidden professional lives you know you could imagine Uh, I mean I could go into detail for a long time about the various trials and tribulations I've had with publishers and you just I mean it's almost beyond belief and I know a lot of writers you know like I say I've been doing this since I was 17 and it's just been interesting but if it comes to life now it'll be because the Lord you know, when I uh, will breathe on it, and when I say it comes to life, I mean my books, their message. Uh, I'm at the point where selfish ambition has receded, largely <laughs> because at my age, who cares? <laughs> you know, it's, it's kind of where I am too. You know, uh, and I'll tell you a little story about the Queen Esther. I was, I love to study the Book of Esther. And that's where I was back in 2019. I was going through a study of Esther again. And when God called me to say, to start each show with a prayer, I'm not boasting. <laughs> because I believe he was tapping me on the shoulder and reprimanding me because I was making fun of Nancy Pelosi for saying she was praying for President Trump. And uh, I just felt like the Lord tapped me on the shoulder and said, you need to be doing it. You need to be praying for this president. And so since September 26, 2019, I have started every show with prayer. I was praying for the protection over him, and I still do on occasion, just not every day like I was. And I pray for this current administration, maybe not like everybody wants to hear. But uh, um, I don't say it to be boastful at all. 
In fact, I wanted to argue with him a little bit because <laughs> this is this is a conservative national nationally syndicated radio talk show. That's not going to be a popular thing, but my listeners have loved it and seem to look forward to it. So, you know, like I said, I'm not boasting. God brought me to that. I didn't do that on my own. Well, we have no other hope. And Amen. It's not even just revival, because revival simply awakens those who are asleep but who were living at one time. You know, they're revived. We need another, we need a great awakening of those who are now lost in the worldly system. And so we've lost so much. Uh, You know, and I'm not a legalist about a lot of these things. I'm just more of a historian too you know just Mm -hmm. losing things that we know worked and we throw them out you know over over our own ignorance uh i have a little theory that i'll throw out real quickly and i'm not a you know a social scientist or anything (laughs) i'm just a consummate reader but i think that all those veterans returning after world war ii uh when america basically you know saved the world um Many of them probably had what they called then battle fatigue or shell shock, but what we would call PTSD today. Right. And and many of them handled it on their own, but but in some ways they retreated from life a little. Uh, they went golfing, they went fishing, and they sent mom and the kids to church. Right. They knew something was needed. But they were just wanting to isolate. And we, and the effects of Hiroshima, we, we don't think about anymore. We take it for granted. But that was such a world shock, the atomic bomb, mm. that I think churches started being like a bomb shelter. And mom and kids go to church as a bomb shelter and close the doors, close the windows, you know, you know, with you and no more type of mentality. Now, when I was a long-haired hippie freak, and I was not a hedonist, I was a seeker. I was looking for God. God seeker. But in in 12,000 miles of hitchhiking and sitting on many ramps, you know, with long-haired hippies, you know, visiting, including SDS members and uh, you name it, you know, and and having observed uphand uh, anti-war demonstrations and riots, you know, back in that time period, what I recognized in that movement, the hippie movement, was that all of these kids seemed to have father issues. You know, Mm -hmm. deep down, their fathers had been distant and lost themselves in work and everything else, and the Beatles and others came in, almost as surrogate father figures, uh, bringing in you know, the drugs and the Eastern religions and, you know, and they, these these kids were just eating it up. Now, I had enough cowboy in me, even with my hair to my shoulders, that there were certain things I would not do, you know, and I would not, you know, badmouth our soldiers, you know, anything like that. I mean, I had that <clears throat> part of that is what drove me away. I mean, I just recognized as much as I wanted to believe in what was called the Greening of America, which was based on a book by Charles Wright, uh, I began to see that these weren't they, these kids were not the answer. You know, they 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 did they were escapists, they were hedonists, and of course the Jesus movement then came. 
out of that. And that was a huge movement, uh, maybe the greatest awakening of the 20th century. But I came to the Lord in 1973 uh, as a part of that movement, though not in a large setting. Um, and I experienced the problems a lot of those kids had. My hair was below my shoulders, and when I walked into a church, I wasn't very—I didn't feel welcomed. Mm. And a lot of those kids slowly, you know, drifted away, or they drifted into materialism. And I—one of the things I believe is we're going to see a Samson uh, movement of that generation, the Jesus movement, of kids that, uh, that became men and now grandparents and drifted away and gave up their walk, basically, for the lust of the eyes, lust of the flesh, what have you, and are now blind, and they're now in bondage, and their hair is slowly growing back like Samson's, and they're going to push against the pillars and destroy more of the enemy with their last act. I mean, I'm I'm believing in that for my generation, because my generation, other than that, really really didn't do much good. We are reaping uh, in America right now the sins of the 60s. And I was there, I I saw it, I drank of it, I tasted it, I saw it in the universities, which is where it was worst. And another interesting little thing in my life was after I left journalism for a while, got married, and decided to go back to it, I stopped in... to a newspaper in a a town in Nevada, and I don't remember which town. And I thought, maybe I'd like to live here and work for a daily paper again. And I walked in, and the editor had just put the paper to bed, so he had time to talk. And he looked at my resume, and, and he says, well, you're more than qualified. But, he says, you left journalism at the wrong time. He says, since you left, Watergate has happened. And the J schools, the journalism schools, have been flooded mm. by hippie radicals who think the best way to change the world is through journalism. He says there's, <laughs> he says there's people, every newspaper is getting flooded with job applications. And that's when journalism really changed. It mm. was changing gradually before then. But that was the big push where we really lost true and honest journalism was when all of these hippies came in and kind of cut their hair and say, we're going to change the world. And now, rather than inform the public, which is the role of a journalist, they think it's their role to educate the public. And we have to take some measure of this back. And part of that is write to your local paper if you have one, be polite but be firm, and demand some change. Because we can't be so quiet. The silent majority has been talked about for decades. Mm-hmm. And it's it's time we can't be silent. Not for our sakes, but for our grand grandkids. Amen. We we have to have a voice. And our silence if our... we don't speak out, we'll get and deserve whatever is coming. You're absolutely right. Our silence has brought us here. You're listening to CSC Talk Radio. This is Beth Ann and John and Beth Ann will be right back.
If Ernest Hemingway was alive today, would he say this to you? Shakespeare, Mark Twain, Edgar Allan Poe, all great writers. And after reading your book, I simply must add you to the list. Wait, you don't have a book yet. So make a free call to Page Publishing. Their expert staff can help you turn your book idea into a real book, a masterpiece that could someday make the bestseller list in hard copy and digitally all across the world. Page Publishing can help you completely take your idea for a book, write it, and publish it. So if you want to join the ranks of some of the most famous authors in the world, call now for a free information kit. Turn your book idea into publishing gold. Make a free call right now to Page Publishing. 800-378-3212-800-378-3212-800-378-3212. That's 800-378-3212. Hello, I'm Mike Lindell, the inventor of my pillow. For the longest time, I've wanted to come out with the world's most comfortable bed sheets. But up until now, I haven't been able to find anything that held up to my high standards. I finally found the best cotton in the world in a region where the Sahara Desert, the Nile River, and the Mediterranean Sea all come together to create the ideal weather conditions for growing cotton. My new Giza Dream bed sheets are made with this long staple cotton, and I guarantee they'll be the most comfortable sheets you'll ever own. The first night you sleep on my sheets, you'll never want to sleep on anything else. The Giza Dream sheets are available in a variety of colors, and like all of Mike's products, they come with a 60-day money-back guarantee and a 10-year warranty. Right now, you can get your very own by calling one 800 978 6168 and use the promo code Bethann to get 30% off plus free shipping. Daniel Turner, founder and executive director of Power the Future, agrees that America is blessed with an abundance of reliable energy sources. Our natural resources are the lifeblood of our nation and have made our nation prosperous. Rural America is the heart of production in this nation. Our food, manufacturing, trucking, and yes, our energy. Power the Future promotes jobs in rural America, specifically our energy jobs. These jobs are all under attack. Wealthy radicals like Tom Stiers and George Soros promise to break the nation's energy independence. Their beloved Green New Deal attacks all the is good in this nation. Our food, our land, our jobs, our families, and of course, our gassy cows. Power the Future is fighting for you, rural America. Join them. Visit PowerTheFuture.com. See the latest news and donate to those who are fighting for you. PowerTheFuture.com. Power the Future is fighting to keep America's lights on. John O'Leary is coming to Springfield's Vitae Foundation's annual pro-life event. As a curious nine-year-old, O'Leary played with fire and gasoline and created a massive explosion, burning 100% of his body. This epic story of survival is one of that embraces life and its importance when the odds are stacked against you. John's emotional storytelling, sharp wit, and authenticity make each of his presentations truly transformational. John has inspired millions from top corporate executives to those overcoming their own suffering. He's authored two books, including the number one national bestseller, On Fire, The Seven Choices to Ignite a Radically Inspired Life. 
John supports Vitae's pro-woman approach, which effectively reaches women facing unplanned pregnancies with life-saving resources. Come see John O'Leary at the Vitae Foundation Springfield Pro-Life event on Friday, August 27th at the White River Conference Center in Springfield, Missouri. Get your tickets at adsforlife.org. That's adsforlife.org. And we have returned. You're listening to CSC Talk Radio. John, we've kind of gone around your books here and talked about some things that I think it's important that people understand. We're all um, experiencing something of the same things. And uh, uh, I want to push your book, um, Blue Man. They can get all of them yet, right? They can go and find all of them. Is that Well, correct? yes and no. Okay. The Breaking <laughs> of Ezra Riley, yeah. The Breaking of Ezra Riley is available on Kindle. But okay. it's out of print, sadly. It should be in print. Uh, but you can find the used copies. And like I say, you know, four different publishers. I would look for the Broadman and Holman edition uh, because it has the whole trilogy. If you find one that's about 900 pages, you know, that's the first three Ezra books in one volume. Or else look for the Lion edition or the Thomas and Nelson Thomas Nelson uh, edition that you have. Now, Looking for Lynn and Blue Man are both readily available, uh, largely through Amazon, on Kindle and in print. I wish I had an alternative to Amazon. Uh, But, you know, I'm technologically limited, so I'm not going to try and sell them through my own website because my website hasn't been updated in about 12 years. (laughs) Uh, But, yes, they're out there. And, you know, the Lord convicted me years ago about the sin of self-promotion. And it's been a struggle for me. Uh, how do you promote your work without promoting yourself? And I'll often err on that. the side of... I get that. Yeah, I'll err on the side of caution and not promote. Because it, it's embarrassing for me to talk about... I, I can talk about writing. I can talk about my books. But hubris, exaggeration, uh, sales, you know, any of that uh, I'm very uncomfortable with. But I'll, I'll, the one thing I can say out of honesty is I'm a craftsman. I have dedicated my life to good writing. And bad writing appalls me. I have books and manuscripts sent to me all the time. And usually I won't even... You know, I'll read the first sentence or so, you know, and I won't, I won't continue reading because I'm the type of writer that absorbs so easily that I will not read writing, especially fiction, that is not better than me. If I feel this person doesn't write as well as I do or better than I do, I can't read it because I'll, I'll start absorbing some of that. Now, I'm not being paid to read these things, all right? So I don't I have that. to read them. I, I don't that. have to read them. And unfortunately, in, I am part of the two worlds that are probably worse for <laughs> vanity and ego. One is Christian writers because they all think that God has inspired them to do this. And here I am saying God did inspire me, and I sound like a hypocrite. But, again, 50 years' experience, 
And I just, you know, I've dealt with so many people who can't, you know, good, loving Christians, wonderful Christian people until they publish a book, and then they just go nuts for a while, you know, <laughs> just go crazy. The other side is the cowboy world. Right. And, you know, and cowboy poetry is, is a great part of our lore and tradition. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. And the good ones, you know, the good ones are valuable. The problem is there are so many out there who just want to be published or want to be seen at Elko or whatever, and they won't take the time to learn the craft. Because all of these things involve years of practice and study and craftsmanship. And that's just reality. I, I'm largely self-taught because I left college, but I have over 100 books on the craft of writing, and I've read them all and some of them several times. And I've given away probably 20 books on the craft of writing. So I've applied myself. And we have to seek excellence. The world looks down on Christian writers and cowboy writers. And I, I can tell you that honestly, and you know it. If you're in the media at all, you just know we're kind of looked down upon. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, well, the way to change that is be excellent. If they can't nick and pick the, uh, your excellence, then they have to admit they have a prejudice about the message. But you have to be excellent. You know, the word pagan, which we would shudder at, the original meaning of the word means country dweller. And the prejudice against country people goes back before the time of Christ. And during the time of Christ, the messages by the apostles went to the big cities and went past the rural people. Uh, the roads that Rome built accelerated the spread of the gospel. But farmers and, uh, were considered peasants as part of the root word of pagan. And they were pagan because they needed rain. And they were doing, you know, sinful things, Baal worship, etc., because of, you know, fertility rites and, you know, right. trying to call rain down from the heavens. Because largely, the gospel went past them. Well, you and I know that much of the world, including the church world at times, still kind of looks down at rural people, which is ridiculous, you know, in today's age. Well, we yeah. have to, I, I like to say that rural America is the foundation of all America. I mean, we're the producers. We're the producers. And that's not to elevate. It's just, it's just a fact. Well, anybody that works with nature is closer to God on that level because we deal with God's creation. And we deal with and life, I, life and death we deal every with day. life and death. And I understand because I've, inter I've entertained the New York media. I've had New York media here at my place and media from other places. And I understand them because they don't see anything natural hardly at all during the course of their, of their life. They see concrete. You know, they see brick and asphalt. It's all, you know, man's fabrication. Mm -hmm. So, of course, they don't know how to relate to the natural world, and then they tend to glorify and deify it. And you add that to the all the Hindu-type spirits that the 60s brought in, 
which is really the root of much of the animal rights movement and uh, Gaia worship and all this. Uh, because back in my day, as these old-timers like to say, uh, as a long-haired hippie, man, it was a salad bowl of spiritism. Every Anything you wanted, everything you wanted. And that lingered. That is still in our country. Yeah, that goes back to the your truth, my truth, and 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 the lack of responsibility, personal responsibility. We're out of time. <laughs> uh, t- tell us one more time how to how my listeners can get your book, Blue Man. Well, the best thing is probably just go on Amazon and click on John L. Moore. I have a writer page there, and you'll see all my books. Now there is another John L. Moore. And he's, uh, he writes about Pennsylvania frontier life. So that's not me. Mine, you know, are on my writer page, but Blue Man, uh, and Looking for Lynn are the two that are most readily available. And, um, I think, I think your listeners will like them. I know they will. They're going to enjoy them. And hey, folks, Christmas is coming. These will make great gifts. Thank you, John, for all that you do. God bless you for spending this day with us. Thank you. God bless you. And as we say every day, thank you. Let's bring America home. I believe there will come a time when we are all judged on whether or not we took a stand in defense of all life from the moment of conception until our last natural breath. As a teenager, I gave my first public speech in my church. My hand shook, my heart pounded. I thought to myself, I can't do this, but somehow I did. And because I wanted to talk about things that were important, I persisted. I chided my church as a senior in high school for not seeming to care about the not yet born, for looking the other way and for not taking a stand on life. I will be in earnest. I will not equivocate, and I will not excuse. I will not retreat an inch, and I will be heard. One thing I promise you, I will always take a stand for life. Imagine a school where faith and integrity are at its center where heritage and responsibility instill character, where educating both hearts and minds brings about academic excellence. There is a school in American Fork where character and embracing the providence of a living God are fundamental, where students' national test scores average near the 90th percentile. Based on LDS principles and a love of country, now in our 39th year, American Heritage School is accepting fall enrollment for kindergarten through high school. What would you do for your child? Give them an education that will prepare them for life. Located east of the Temple in American Fork, American Heritage School is a remarkable and affordable alternative. Visit us, find us online, or in the yellow pages. American Heritage School in American Fork.